Father in heaven, thank you again for this special time. Thank you for this beautiful Sabbath. Lord, we pray that you would give us your heart. God, a heart for fallen humanity. May that love for souls grow more and more, God. And whatever career we have, God, may our number one desire is to see souls saved for the kingdom. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. By the way, I want to thank that person who gave me this. Who's that individual? I forgot where they're at right now. Okay, they gave me this thing. Okay, very good. It's called Red Ace. It's organic beets and turmeric supplement. This thing is a power-up right here. By the way, you want to know an interesting fact? In India, there are maybe, maybe one or two, maybe not too many actually, senior care homes. Dementia is just not really there in India. You want to know why? Some people trace it to the turmeric. Good for the brain. So, thank you very much. My brain is charged. All right. The Art of the Christian Conversationalist, part two. Let's get into this. Just a reminder again of, regarding the five reasons uh, to be a Christian conversationalist. Number one, God what? Commands it. And where does he command it? Matthew chapter 28, Revelation chapter 14, right? Preach the everlasting gospel, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Number two, God uses human beings as his primary agent of communication rather than angels. Number three, it's good for your own soul. By the way, one thing that's really enjoyable is actually sharing the gospel. It really is an enjoyable thing. Can you raise your hand and testify to that? When you get to share the gospel with somebody, there's just this special joy that you don't get from anywhere, any, anywhere else. Amen? And so it's just awesome. One of the day, one day I had one of the most irritating mornings, and I went to go drop off some clothes at the dry cleaner. And I began talking to the, the lady who was working at the counter, and she was saying, where do you work? And I said, well, I work for a church. And she said, oh, and we began talking about God. She said, how did you become a Christian? And for about five minutes, I gave a, a quick testimony of my life. And she said, I was blessed by that. And when I just got into that car, man, I felt so good, right? How about this? There are people sincerely seeking for hope. People all over the world praying, yearning, pleading for the truths that we have today. And the value of a person saved for eternity. Saved for eternity. All right, the Bible tells us something interesting. It says this in Revelation chapter 3, the, the last message to Laodicea. It says this, Behold, I stand at the door and what? Knock. If any man hears my voice and open the door, notice this, I will come in with, to him and will sup. sup with him and he with what? Me. Me. The very last call to Laodicea is God is saying, look, I want to come over and have dinner with you. I want to come over and have a meal with you. When you actually study out the life of Christ, it's very interesting. You'll discover often one of the most amazing and effective ways that he reached out to people was to have a meal with people. You know, when you study out the Jewish economy in the Old Testament, there are certain days out of the year. There was about seven days out of the year in which all of Israel was to come together. These days were called the feast days. And it's something like we have today when November 25th where we celebrate Thanksgiving, right? All the family comes together. You have a special meal and there's a time of fellowship. 
So these seven times out of the entire year, God would call all of Israel to come together and have a meal together. And during that time they would be eating together, there was a, a very special spirit present. Jesus, the Bible tells us about Jesus, the master conversationalist, the one who knew how to reach souls, spent time eating with people. And what we're going to discover with this seminar today is that we can actually use the time that we sit down and eat with people as a means of being a powerful witness. When I was in Pakistan on a mission trip, we were visiting the Adventist seminary that was there. We decided to go to this place where my dad was born. You know, Pakistan, India used to be one country before the partition in 1947. The English, when they left, essentially told the Muslims, they said, look, when we leave, the Hindus are going to dominate you. And so all the Muslims were saying, hey, no, 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 we can't have that happen. And so they all wanted their own country. And so Pakistan, which means pure, was formed. 95% of the country is Muslim. Uh, my dad was actually born in that region before the partition. I, I'm a, you know, I come from Punjab, and uh, you know, that's what my family speaks. But it's very interesting. When we're in Pakistan, you can go to the very birthplace of Sikhism. I also come from a Sikh background as well as a Hindu background. We went to the very uh, first Sikh temple. It was actually being renovated. And we decided just to do some sightseeing. So we went there, and they had this huge wall. And in the midst of this very Islamic epicenter, this Sikh temple was there. And so we decided to do some sightseeing, and we met this old Sikh man. And while he was taking us a tour around the grounds of where Sikhism started, he said something to us. He said, hey, would you like a meal? We're like, no, no, we're okay, we already ate. And he said these words, he said, because we have a saying, where there's no food, there's no temple. <laughs> where there's no food, there's no temple. In other words, he equated worship with God by eating a meal together. Now, if you think I'm a little bit crazy, I want you to take your Bible and go to Psalm 22. I'm going to show you something interesting about the very special messianic psalm, Psalm 22. The psalm that most clearly describes what the Messiah would go to, go through. Psalm 22. You're going to see something quite interesting. Psalm 22. All right. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. 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 All right. This is where you have a description of what the Messiah was going through during the time of the cross. It's a time where there is a struggle happening between faith and just this intensity, right? This darkness and light. Towards the very end of the psalm, you find this hope and this light begin to break through. Notice what the Bible says right here. Go to verse 25. I want you to see something. Verse 25. This is the very end of the psalm where victory emerges from the struggle. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall, the poor shall what? Eat and satis be satisfied. Those that seek him will, be, will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nation shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat. And what? In other words, you are looking at the benefits 
of what the Messiah would accomplish. And obviously it has more to do with just literally eating. But the point is still there. That there's something special about sharing a meal together. Do you know, and I have this personal belief, food tastes better when you're around people you love. Amen? I mean, it could be the most disgusting food, the most horrible cook, but when you're around people you love, there's just something special. You know, I had this um, friend, and they came to me. They said, Pastor, I've been going out to eat on Sabbath. What do I do? I, I'm being convicted about this. I said, well, why don't you just cook some food at the house? Invite some friends over. And you know what? They said these words. They said, I don't have time to prepare. So I gave them a little bit of advice, and I'll give this to you right now. The most favorite times of Sabbath afternoon is when you get to go to somebody's house. They don't know what they're going to cook. And you begin to throw everything together. And you make this veritable Adventist haystack out of the most unusual things in your cupboards. I actually started doing this when I was pastoring the last few months. I would actually tell people, instead of going to the regular potluck, I'm like, why don't you come over to my house? There were new people coming to church. They said, okay. And I invite some people who were church members. We'd go over and I'd be thinking to myself, man, what is in my cupboard? We'd put pasta together with beans. We'd get salad. We just began to put everything together. It was so amazing. And let me tell you something. The food was delicious all the time. And there was always enough for everybody. Friends, I want you to know something. That when you spend time eating a meal together, there's something special that takes place. Can you say amen to that? So when it comes to witnessing, you can actually use mealtimes as a form of sharing the gospel. So what do I mean by that? One of the things I like to do is whenever I'm building relationships, I always tell people this. I said, let's get some lunch. Let's get some food. Hey, what are you doing Thursday night? Let's get some dinner. And if they happen to be someone of the other gender, I'll say, hey, I got some friends coming together. Why don't we get together and let's have some food, right? And it's so amazing, when you're sitting down to eat some food, something special takes place. Now, during those times, there's a principle to remember. You may not call to just to give the, the whole gospel in that sitting. You may not call to even share uh, very clear Bible truths. I want you to remember this principle, CPR. CPR, can you remember that? I mean, we're not far from Loma Linda. All the medical people should get this, right? CPR. What does CPR stand for? Cultivate, plant, or reap. You may be called to cultivate. You may be called to plant, or you may be called to reap. Sometimes the very best thing you can do is just spend time with that person eating a meal. Sometimes at the very end of the conversation, you just have a prayer where nothing really spiritual is communicated throughout the whole time. Or it may be a time where you're just saying, are you ready to keep the seventh day Sabbath? You know what I mean? Do you want to be baptized? You know, I don't know. But either way, you get my point. You always got to remember this. Okay, what, what is it? Out of the CPR, is it called, am I called to cultivate? Am I called to plant? Am I called to reap at this moment? And when you remember this mindset, which is very important, not everybody is called to reap. I have a friend, by the way. I always make, love making fun of my friends. It's always dangerous to be my friend. Every time he gives out a glow, you know what a glow pamphlet is, right? God blesses those things. He gives out a glow, and then he walks away, and he looks at his other glow, and he said, he takes another glow and says, hey, you should have this one glow too. And he essentially gives them all the 28 fundamental doctrines from the glow. <laughs> Literally, it happens every time. Like he feels, he's like, what if I never see that person? I said, brother, you are not always called to be the harvester here. 
You may be called just to plant a seed, one glory. Don't overwhelm people, amen? I mean, every time he has this guilt, what if I never see them again? What if they die? I said, the Lord knows these things. Share the gospel as God has called you to do at that time. Amen? Amen. All right. Number one, the power of the meal. Why is the meal time so important? Now, I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to turn to the person next to you. Okay, turn to the person. You're not, if you're looking at me, you're not turning to the person next to you, right? Look to the person next to you, and I want you to ask this question. What is the most delicious food you could ever eat? If you had your chance to eat that for dinner tonight, what would it be? Now stop right there, okay? Keep the conversation going, but here's a question I want you to introduce. When is your favorite time to eat that meal? Is it after a workout? Is it at dinner time? Is it with family? When is the time that you enjoy the most eating that food? Is it alone? Whatever it is. All right. Now let's stop right there. I want you to raise your hand and I want you to tell me the person you talk to, their favorite food and when they love to eat it. Eat it. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yes. Colorful vegetables and Sabbath afternoon. Sabbath afternoon, colorful vegetables. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, anybody else? <laughs> yes. Papusas during dinner. Okay, very good. Anybody else? I saw some other hands. Yes. Durian all the time. Durian all the time. <laughs> Must be Filipino, right? How'd I know? Just a guess. All right, anybody else? Yes, in the back. A very good fruit salad. When is your favorite time to eat that meal? But two o'clock. <laughs> By the way, everybody, I want you to know somebody. That sweet lady right there made a decision to get to join the Remnant Church today. Yeah. Amen. You make sure you love on her, right, before she leaves this place. Anybody else? When's your, what's your favorite meal and when is it time to eat it? Yes. Dinner time. Okay. Thai food during dinner time. Anybody else? Yes. When is it, uh, when is the favorite time or the, when, yeah? Dinner. Dinner time. Okay, anybody else? Yes. Falafels? When? Lunch time. Okay. Now I want you to add more details to this and I'm going somewhere with this. You're going to find out. What sort of things makes that meal taste better? And I'm not referring to ingredients. What sort of components is it when you're sitting at the kitchen table is it music playing someone with violin right use your imagination when is your favorite time what other components make that meal oh so sweet okay stop right there doesn't take two hours all right raise your hand what are the components yes over there Tell us the meal and what component. All right, shh, okay. Candle with the ice cream. So we say it a little louder? Candle. Candle? Candles? And Sunday ice cream. Sunday ice cream. <laughs> Never heard that one before. All right. How about you? A picnic with my favorite friends. A picnic with your favorite friends? Very good. Anybody else? Yes. Reminiscing on the living room floor. 
with friends maybe, connecting. That, really, that's a good time, yeah. As long as there are people around, right? Anybody else? Yes. When it's free. That's true. Although there's some free stuff Sabbath afternoon, you wonder what in the world is that, right? Anybody else? Yes. You're watching a good sermon while you're eating some. What, what food? Nigerian food. Wow. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. I know that. I'm so contemplating what he meant by that. You know, you, like you guys understood it too, right? <laughs> the farm, right? You like eating food fresh from the farm? Okay. Uh, just straight picked off the ground, right? Huh? With friends, okay. I like stopping it like at a fruit stand. That's always good, getting fresh fruit and vegetables, right? It's awesome. Anybody else? What makes that meal special? Yes. Hot noodle soup in winter with friends. Hot noodle soup in winter with friends. Oh man, that sounds good. Do you like full? Uh. Anybody else? When you're hungry. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Say it again. Sunday Korean breakfast, your wife prepares. Wow. Beautiful. Anybody else? One more person. Yes. Family and friends. What kind of food? Papusas. Okay, gotcha. Then she, I saw her duck underneath. Okay. Anybody else? I saw another hand there. Yes. Authentic Mexican food, wow. Here's the thing I want you guys to realize. Are there components outside the actual food that make that memory special? Yes, right? It's the environment that you're in. It's the people you're around. It's the time that you're eating it. All those factors make that meal so special. You know, when I first became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, my favorite part of church service was Sabbath school and potluck. And I can tell you the truth, I cannot remember a single thing the pastor preached on. But I do remember fellowshipping with people. I remember sitting down at potluck table eating someone's versions of Taco Bell burritos that they bought on Friday in microwave Sabbath morning. <laughs> and asking people about, you know, the state of the dead or the sanctuary. And them explaining these things to me while I was eating this food. I can remember those things, just like you can remember special moments. You see what I'm trying to say, friends? That when you're eating food in a very special way around special people at special times, the memory of that sticks in your brain, and it can have a powerful effect upon your life, doesn't it? And so that's why the power of the meal is extremely important. Number two, never be ashamed to pray over the food. Say you invited a good friend. And you're thinking, man, this friend isn't a Christian. They want nothing to do with Christians. Should, be, you, should you be ashamed of praying over that food? Absolutely not. You want to know why? Because it says in Luke chapter 24, when the bread was broken, it said these words, 
and Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. In other words, when the food was blessed, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus knew that Jesus was with them. So even in blessing the food, there can be just a powerful effect. And let me give you an example of this. I was in pastoring at the series church. I get this phone call, and it's a group of people from Fresno, and they said, Pastor Anel, there's this Sikh man that's been coming to our church. We can't even talk to him in his language, and we don't understand what he is saying to us, but he's been coming to our church several Sabbaths. What do we do? And I said, hey, look, I can understand a little bit of Punjabi, and I can speak a few words, but I can't even converse. And I said, why don't you just drive him up one Sabbath? So they did. And so they brought this Sikh man. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you had a man with a turban sitting in your congregation? I mean, that should be a concern for you, friends. The fact that we don't see that in our churches. And, but we've had many times where people like that have been coming to church. And there are a lot of people in that religion that are searching. So they show up. And I preach a sermon. You know, and I preach pretty fast already. So this guy, he doesn't understand a single thing I said, which I expected. Sat down with him at Pollock. And as we just began to talk, I began to get bits and pieces, and it was so strange, the Lord was just opening up understanding as we were communicating. And I sat down and I talked with him. And it was interesting, he told me, he said, you see these, he said, you know, go to white people? <laughs> he said, I was walking by the church one day, and they had a children's program, so I said, I'm going to bring my child to this children's program. He said, I brought my child, and I saw them, and he said, they were so nice to me. And then he said, they told me to come to church. They said there was another children's program, so I came. And then he said, they did something so special. He said, they invited me to their house for food, so I ate. And then he said these words, this is interesting. He said, but then I invited them to my house to eat some good Indian food. And the whole time he's talking to me in Punjabi, you know, these, these, the, the guys that bought him, they're just like two young guys. And this is an older Sikh man. They're just like nodding their head. They're like, yeah, you know, and they had no clue what was being said, okay? <laughs> this is where it gets very unusual. He said, we were sitting down. I was with my wife. And right before we're about to eat, he said, they said, can we pray for the food? He said, the men closed their eyes. So I closed my eyes. They prayed. And he said, my wife elbowed me really hard during the prayer. And then he said, I lifted up my head when the prayer was over. And I said, what? This is what she said. She said, when everyone's eyes were closed for prayer, I looked up and I saw Jesus standing behind the two men. And you know what this man then told me? He said, I have found nothing in Sikhism that satisfies my soul. I want to learn what they have learned. And these two clumsy, you know, <laughs> people who didn't understand a single thing the whole time, they were just like this at me. <laughs> and they had no idea of what had happened. But they were just loving on this guy and doing their best. There was no gift of tongues there, friends. The reason I say this is because never be ashamed of just saying that blessing on that food. Even if no one joins you, whatever. When you are praying a blessing on that food, you are honoring the Lord of heaven and earth. Amen? So what does this mean? You're having, sitting down having some friend, uh, food with some friends. You say your blessing. Okay, what do you do? 
You take time to eat. You're thinking, wow, is that really interesting? Now, I want you to understand something, friends. When you are being a witness with your meal, it is extremely important that you are not trying to gobble through the food very fast because your behavior is reflecting something, isn't it? And so can you imagine, here you are, you're eating with somebody and they're just eating really fast, right? Eating extremely fast. How do you feel? How do you feel? You feel like, I can take my time and talk about deep, sincere issues in my heart right now. You don't think that way, right? You're just like, let's just get this done with. Right? And it doesn't even look tasteful when someone's eating really fast, doesn't it? Right? Especially if they have a beard. All right. So take time to eat. Take time. Don't be rushed. I always allow for my lunch appointments, one hour. One hour. I call about that one hour and it's only going to stick to an hour. And one hour is plenty to eat, to go through that food, and to have a good conversation with people. How about this? Listen and pay attention. Listen and pay attention. Spend time listening to the people as they're talking, as they're communicating, because something's going to come up. And when that comes up, I want you to remember those words. I understand how you feel. I what? Felt that way before. Here's what I found. Right? So that's extremely important. All right. There is nothing more he, this is what Ty Gibson says. I saw, I saw this quote one day and I thought this is interesting. There is nothing more healing to the sinful heart, notice this, than to be fully known and yet fully loved. It is the essence of redemption. Friends, I want you to understand something. When you're sitting around at the meal table, things begin to come out. People begin to share things on their soul. And as they begin to share things, this is a time to listen, to not judge. And we need to understand, by the way, what that word means. Do you know the Bible talks about judge in two different ways? Number one, it says, judge not lest you be judged first. In other words, do not judge people's eternal destiny. But it does say judge righteous things, righteous judgment. In other words, you do make a difference between right and wrong. If you, make a diff if you say, hey, I'm going to go to Wells Fargo Bank instead of Bank of America, you are being judgmental. You are discriminating between something you, that you think is better. So let, let's get this out of our heads. So what, what do I mean when I say don't judge? When I mean don't judge, that simply means spend some time listening before speaking about an issue. Does that make sense? Spend time listening and wait till the issue has completely emerged. Wait till you understand more of the context. And as you begin to have a better understanding, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day who was very agitated with somebody, and I said these words. I said, what's more important, under being understood or understanding? Being understood or understanding? What's important? Both are important. But what comes first? Understanding. When you understand somebody, then you can communicate things for them to understand. Amen? And that's very important. Understand before you seek to be understood. Spend time listening. And sometimes that means you're just there with your ears open and you're paying attention, 80% ocular tension, right? And you're listening and you're just putting some delicious pad thai in your mouth, right? And you're just nodding. Okay, that's interesting. And that time, you take time to pray. Take time to pray. One day it was so interesting. I was actually, I sat down with a pastor of a non-Adventist church. We we're sitting down having some lunch. And as we we're eating, he just is just talking about things. And I was like, Lord, I don't understand the purpose of this, but I'm just going to make friends. 
And so I began to pray, and he did all the talking the entire time. Go figure. Pastors like to talk a lot, right? And so here he is. He's talking the entire time. And I was waiting, just waiting. And then he says, yeah. And uh, he says, by the way, he says, I really love archaeology. I said, oh, you love archaeology. I said, oh, that's interesting. And then he named his famous, his most favorite archaeologist. And I said, I know who that archaeologist is. What's interesting? This archaeologist actually received over 20 different degrees, some of them honorary degrees, passed away, considered the form, one of the foremost um, authorities on archaeology. And he declared Ellen White a legitimate prophet. And then as he said that, I said, hey, I got a book for you to read. Someone who this archaeologist really appreciated. He said, yeah, I'd be all about it. That was the opening. But the whole time, it just took a lot of time just listening to him. A lot of time just sitting there as he just talked and talked and talked. But when the moment was right, I understood why God had called me there. Friends, I want you to understand something. It takes time. It's not going to be easy, but spend time listening to people. But when the moment's right, speak. Amen? When the moment's right, speak. Expose, don't impose. Expose, but don't impose. What does that mean? It means when it's time to share those beautiful truths or a beautiful message, right, of understanding. Here's the thing to always remember. Take time to communicate it in such a way where it is more revealed and exposed than more antagonistic and forceful. And what do I mean by that? Imagine you were trying to get somebody to get rid of a car. They, they had that, say they had this old junky car, right? And they love this old junky car. And you're like, we got to get rid of that thing. And so you being very wealthy, you decide, I'm going to just pull up one day with a beautiful Subaru, right? Uh, let's say STI. You get a nice STI, right? You pull it up. And that person's about to come out and you say, look, man, I bought you a brand new car. Now, friends, instead of spending time on telling them how junky their car is, you know what you can do? Introduce them to something better. Build a beautiful picture of what you have. And when you do that, you're going to find that people are going to say, wait a minute, I want what you have. What the Bible gives to us is an advantage. I'm not saying it makes us better than people. What it does, it gives us better um, advantages in life. That's why the Bible says in Deuteronomy, if you heed to the commandments, I will make you the head and not the tail. This was the promise of God. And so when you're there, you're sitting down, share what you have. Don't necessarily attack what they have or what they don't have, but share what you have. And when they see the beauty of what you have, do you know what they're going to say? I want that. I'm interested in that. Wow, that's powerful stuff you got there. I wish I could have some of that. Where did you get that at? Friends, when you do that, you are exposing, not imposing. Can you say amen to that? And this is something we need to do more and more. We need to show more uh, the benefits of what we believe in. And when we do, it has within a very attractive quality. People are going to say, man, I want that. I want what you have. One day I was actually... Going through different churches, we were visiting different churches because we were looking for a church to rent for our church plant that was going to be starting a few years ago. We went to one church, talked to the pastor. He said, no, no, you can't, it's just too booked up here. You can't rent our church. Went to another church, 
And this man said something interesting. He said, yeah, we're pretty booked up here. We don't got any space even on Saturday mornings. But then he said something interesting. He says, you guys are Seventh-day Adventists? Yeah. Then he looks up and leans a little bit closer and he says, I love the Sabbath truth too. And he says, I'm trying to get my church to start worshiping on Saturdays too. I believe the Sabbath. You guys got that right. He even said, next time you guys have a meeting, let me know. But you know, the crazy thing is, once we came into the area, his um, church authorities transferred him to another church. But nonetheless, that truth, that desire for that truth is still present in him. Amen? And if you don't think so, my friend up in Northern California is pastoring. And he went to a Pentecostal convention. He went to a Pentecostal convention, and one of the main speakers at the Pentecostal convention stood up before everybody said the most unusual things. He said, you know these Seventh-day Adventist Christians that are out there? They got a real prophet, and they're hiding her. <laughs> this is what he told the group of Pentecostals. Now, the Pentecostals are very good. Many of them call everybody a prophet, right? You must be a prophet, right? But nonetheless, here he is. He's telling the entire uh, group of Pentecostal leaders... These Seventh-day Adventists are hiding a prophet. Friends, this is time for us to be able to share what we got, right? And when you expose instead of impose, you're going to find a lot of people just drawn to these beautiful things. I went to class one day, and the teacher didn't show up. It was my philosophy of science class. Went there, and there was this conversation between the students. They were talking about religion. And one of them said, yeah, I don't believe in God because I don't believe, and that's how she worded it, in this idea that God burns people forever and ever. So I just butted my way into the conversation as usual. I said, what are you guys talking about? And then she says, yeah, I don't believe in this idea that God burns people in hell forever and ever and ever. I said, neither do I. I don't believe that either. And she just looked at me kind of startled because she knew I was a pastor. And then it was so amazing because a conversation began to open up and I got to give her some books to read and we began to talk and converse more about this. Friends, people are searching for what God has given to us. And when we're simply just sharing it, exposing instead of imposing, we're going to find a lot of people drawn to that truth. Amen? Amen? Remember, the goal is to build a beautiful picture, a beautiful palace or a Subaru STI, right? And when they see it, they're going to be like, that's where I want to be. That's what I want. Affirm the truth. Spend more time affirming the truth instead of just attacking error. Now, there's a time when we have to discriminate between you know, right and wrong and bad and good. But spend more time affirming the beauty and the blessings of what you have. Amen? Amen. And number six. Always keep what? Always keep literature. I've said this again. I'll say it again one more time. It is extremely important that you keep some literature. Keep some glow in your you know, back pocket. Keep some cookbooks. You're thinking cookbooks? Yes, cookbooks in the trunk of your car. Whatever it is. Open, I mean, some people have a, I've, I've been to some people's house or some people's cars where they open up the trunk. I mean, they're hardcore witnesses. They got this literature armory in their trunk. And it's got special compartments. General, uh, you know, great controversies. And they got these like little mini bookshelves in there. And I was like, this is intense. These people are sold out, you know? And they keep having these powerful experiences with God. Why? Because they're making themselves available to God. Amen? Making themselves available to God. So when you spend time 
sitting with people, spend time having a lunch with people, conversing with people. God will open up opportunities. One of the things I'm going to really challenge you guys on, think about this, is there somebody in your life right now who when you get back to where you came from, you could call them up and say, I'm just going to take them out to lunch. You may not even think to yourself, well, I wonder what I'm going to say. Don't even set an agenda except pray, Lord, just guide this. Just guide this conversation. Anytime we're having problems in the church, I said, all right, let's take somebody out. We got issues with our elders? Well, let's go out to lunch. I've met people in college dealing with skeptics. I'm like, hey, you want to get some food? Yeah, let's get some food. Because everyone loves to eat, right? I haven't met one person who hates to eat. <laughs> I just don't like eating, right? You don't find anybody like that. And so I really challenge you, spend time. Be intentional about it. Pray about it. Don't send an agenda. Just have some stuff ready. And you'll see what God does as you guys are sitting down over some delicious Indian food with some curry. There. The smell is there. The eyes are watering because of the spice. But you're there. And they just begin to open up their heart. And an opportunity is created over that meal that would not have been opened any other way. Any other way. Friends, this is why in romance, the use of eating meals together is very effective, isn't it? Why? Because bonding happens over food. Do you know when the Bible tells us that in Revelation that the tree of life is for the now, what happens under the tree of life? What do you do with the tree of life? What's growing on the tree of life? And what does that fruit do? It should be obvious. Tree of life. It's where God's people throughout eternity will come together and partake of the fruit that grows every month. And as they partake of that fruit, what happens? They continue to live forever. Say, I know that. What's the big deal? Revelation says that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. That's strange. In other words, it's teaching that when humanity is brought together in the recreated world, the rifts and the scars that have broken humanity, healing takes place in a time of fellowship and eating of the fruit of the tree of life. I was taking a, 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 a class on politics in the Middle East. And the rift and the division between the, the Palestinians and the Jews. And we had to write this, you know, exam, this essay on it. And it's so amazing just how intense the conflict is. Between the, the, the Palestinians, and not just Palestinian Muslims, but Palestinian Christians. And just the tension they have with the, the Jews and the Jews, the tension that they have with them. And they have gone back and forth throughout this whole thing that they have many times forgotten why they have even begun this conflict. And throughout the whole time, I was just thinking to myself, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. Many of those that have been faithful to God will get to heaven one day and God will heal wounds as they partake of the fruit of the tree of life that were not healed on this side of heaven. 
Bonding happens when you have a meal together. Because where there is no temple, where there is no food, there is no temple. And number seven, offer to pay. You know why? Because Jesus paid our bill for us. Amen? Jesus paid our bill for us. And it just is a special blessing. And I want to end with this. Tell the poor, desponding ones who have gone astray, they need not despair. Though they have erred and have not been building a right character, God has joy, joy to restore them. Even the joy of His salvation. He delights to take apparently hopeless material, those through whom Satan has worked, and make them the subjects of His what? Grace. He rejoices to deliver them from the wrath, which is to fall upon the disobedient. Tell them there is healing, cleansing for every soul. And notice this, there is a place for them. Where? At the Lord's table. He is waiting to bid them welcome. And with that, friends, we conclude this seminar. Um, is there any questions? This is the time. Any questions? If not, God bless you. We can talk afterwards. Oh, yes, question. I want to introduce you to somebody who is the worst person at small talk and the most awkward individual you'll ever meet, and that's me. So serious about this. But you know what? When I switched my primary motive, and I kept reinforcing this motive to myself, God, you want to help this person. You want to help this person. God began to smooth out the awkwardness and sort of the insecurity I had when I was communicating, when that became just a primary focus, like, God, you want to help this person. You really want to help this person. And that motive creates in you just this change and the ability to reach out to people. You go there, and God will bless you. You know, He will give you courage and confidence. I'll tell you this, I am the worst person I know when it comes to these things. I'm just saying, sharing the successes. Let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of mess-ups with this. But you know what? I'm not going to stop until Jesus comes back. Amen. Appreciate your question. Anybody else? All right. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, you guys. Father in heaven, we just pray right now if there's somebody who we need to invite to a meal next week, Lord, lay them on our, lay them on our hearts right now. Somebody who we could just love on and minister to. Someone who just needs grace. Father in heaven, help us to use this more and more to bless others, to fellowship with each other. And thank you, God, for your soon return. May we be found faithful to the work you've given to us. Thank you for the Sabbath. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.